I'm Rob McConnell, and welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Today on the X-Zone, the Great Lakes Triangle of North America. Found in the heartland of North America, these landlocked yet connected lakes, which eventually empty into the Atlantic Ocean, have become the scene of more mysteries involving ships, aircraft, people, UFOs, ghosts, and phantom ships than the Bermuda Triangle. One sixteenth the size of the Bermuda Triangle, Lady John Graves Simcoe was the first European to chronicle the strange orbs of life that have been seen above and below the waters of Lake Ontario. First Canadians tell of great cities which surrounded the Great Lakes where men flew without wings. The Great Lakes Triangle of North America, one of the world's greatest mysteries, right in our own backyard. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Back to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Our toll-free number, one 877 Now, that's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our website, exxonradio.com. My guest this hour is Oberon Zell Ravenheart. He is a renowned wizard and elder in the worldwide magical community. He received his BA in psychology, sociology, anthropology, and pre-med from the Westminster College in 1965, attended graduate school at Washington University in clinical psychology, and earned his teacher certificate from the Harris Teachers College in 1968. He has served as a teacher and counselor in both public and private schools from Head Start to High School, as well as a uh, teacher and counselor, as being the Director of Services for Human Development Corporation. Through his publication of the award-winning Green Egg magazine, which was first published in 1968, Oberon uh, was instrumental in the coalescence of the modern magical community. Living as an adventurous life, he has uh, traveled throughout the world, celebrated solar eclipses at ancient stone circles, 
raised living unicorns, and swam with the mermaids. His reference were quoted in over 100 books. And Oberon, welcome to the Exxon. Oberon, are you there? Yes, I am. Can't you hear me? I can now. Thanks, Brandy. Um, you getting me? I'm getting you fine, and how are you tonight, sir? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thanks, Oberon. Now, tell me, what is a wizard? Well, pretty straightforward. Uh, the word means wise one. Um, <coughs> wizardry is wisdom in the same way that um, philosophy means love of wisdom, you know? It's kind of like there's these there's wizards, scientists, philosophers, all pretty much looking in the same business. Now, why did you become a wizard? Well, that's an interesting story. It sort of, um, it, I guess eventually, it, it just sort of seemed the best description for what I already was. <laughs> you know, It's one of these things where I was a kid trying to figure out what I was going to be when mm -hmm. I grew up, and eventually, I guess, um, uh, this is what it turned out to be. But really, it began, in a sense, back in 1980, the, the wizardry part specifically of my work, um, <clears throat> when we were first raising living unicorns, and we took the first one to the Renaissance Fair, and we had to have a character and persona to appear at the fair with, so my wife, Morning Glory, and I came as a, uh, we created costumes and personas to be an enchantress and a wizard with a unicorn. It was great. But eventually, we kind of, it sort of stuck, and we kind of grew into it, and and over time, because of all the work that we do in the magical arena, mm -hmm. uh, people just kind of picked it up and started referring to me as a wizard. And I kind of think that's sort of the way it comes down, really, is people start calling you a wizard, and that's when you can really claim to be one. All right, Oberon, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Oberon Zell Ravenheart is our special guest. He's a wizard. You can find out more about Oberon at www.grayschool.com. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free if you have a question for our special guest wizard this hour. That's one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Oberon and I will be back on the other side of this two minute commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, exclusively on the Talk Star Radio Network. You don't have to love me and let's get out. Gary Blackwell is uh, the artist uh, singing his new release, Betsy. It's on his upcoming CD. And, uh, by the way, Betsy is all about his cow that was abducted by aliens. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we hope to have Kerry Blackwell on the show in the very near future to tell us about his song. one 877 toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Oberman Zell Ravenheart is our special guest. He's a wizard and an elder in the magical community. And Oberon, now, why do you feel it's important to bring wizardry back into the world here in the 21st century? Well, lots of reasons. Um, I think in a sense that people um, call out for a touch with the world of myth and fantasy and wonder, which is why the enormous popularity we've been seeing in the last few years of movies and, and books that feature these kinds of themes. But certainly, if we would want to get down to the basics of it, if um, insofar as wizardry implies wisdom, we could certainly use a lot more of that today. It's I'll not drink really to that. much in evidence in public places. I certainly agree with you. They're 150 percent. Um, yeah. Harry Potter. Uh, you know, there was a there were two camps. There was the camp that said Harry Potter, you know, uh, connected uh, people to witchcraft, and then you had the other side of the camp who said, "Hey, Harry Potter is a good story. Good wins over evil." And then I found the biggest magic, and magic is alive when you watch Harry Potter, when you watch children pick up those books and want to read. To me, that was the real magic behind Harry Potter. Yep, that's the real magic, all right. Um, inspiration and vision. I mean, there is so much of the magical realm that is um, is just so important and so real. I mean, the, the vision, the dreams, the imagination, the inspiration, the things that create the world that we have today. How much of what we have today come out of the imagination of Gene Roddenberry, for example? Yes. I mean, open up your cell phone, you know? Yeah, Exactly. Exactly, well, and that's what that's what creates and builds the world is this sort of stuff. Um, I don't know the Harry Potter thing is fascinating. I mean, I love it, of course. All the magical people I know just love it. The whole the books, the the movies. You know, we show up in costume at the book release parties at Barnes and Noble and the whole bit. And um, it's not about witchcraft. That's no, the oddest not. thing about. It. I don't know where people are off about this. It has nothing to do with witchcraft. I think it's uh, it's got a lot a lot to do with the ignorance of society. They don't know the difference. Apparently, apparently. But it's a good story about wizards. It's like the sword and the stone. Exactly. It's like um, with Merlin and Arthur. It's yep. like Star Wars with Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Jedi Council and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's another one of those young hero coming of age, fighting evil, mm-hmm. and getting counsel and advice from the wise old wizards and stuff, you know? It's no different I mean, than... We've been having stories like that all along, and, and they didn't seem to be a problem. Suddenly, everybody's having fits about this one. I think it's because it's so successful, and I think there's a lot of envy involved. That may be. You know, it's... I, I have great admiration, personally. I have, I think, enough wisdom, shall we say, not yes. to envy people who do something wonderful, but to admire them for it, you know? Exactly. how I think it ought to go, you know? I think J.K. Rowling is just amazing. I mean, what an inspiration she is. I mean, here's a woman who didn't have a whole lot going for her except her imagination, you know? But her life was in the toilet, you know? She had no mm-hmm. money. She had... A, no, no much of anything really, but she had this vision and this dream and this imagination. She sat down in a little cafe and just wrote this stuff out, you know, and took it to the world. And look at where it's taken her, you know. That's wonderful. What a success story. And she is truly, a, and she is truly uh, an inspiration. I think so. Yeah. Um, tell me, uh, how did you come to write the grimoire for the Apprentice Wizard? Well, that's an interesting thing too. In in many ways, I certainly owe a great deal of uh, credit. And inspiration and thanks to J.K. Rowling, she kind of opened the doorway. I've been thinking about this kind of thing for a long time because I've been involved in the magical community since the early 60s. I'm one of the founders of the, of the pagan movement because I was the first one to apply 
the term as a kind of a self-identification. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, people had been, it had been those pagans, you know, oh, those pagans, don't be like those pagans. But I was one of the first people to say us pagans, you know, <laughs> and to claim it. And that caught on, and it's become quite a movement. So I've been raising generations of kids, both my own and um, being a, uh, Morning Glory and I have been kind of aunts and uncles to all the kids growing up in the community over the decades that we've known. And we've done a lot of teaching, um, as you could see from my credentials yes. that you read off before there. I've done a lot of time with the schools and stuff. So I've developed my own magical curriculum and things I think that people ought to know. You know, I mean, a lot of it is a model of the Boy Scout handbook. I mean, here's all this, more like actually the Junior Woodchuck manual from the old Donald Ducks things, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, this is everything you need to know, and it should be in one place. And I've been thinking about this for a long time and gathering materials. Well, when the Harry Potter phenomenon hit, I happened to be at a trade show for the statuary and artwork that I produce through Mythic Images. And a friend of mine who is an author said, hey, when are you going to write a book? Because I was congratulating her on her newest book. And she said, well, where's yours? And I said, well, you know, a lot of excuses. Mm -hmm. She said, I won't have to settle for any of that. I'm going to introduce you to my publisher. So she did. She took me over and introduced me to the folks at New Page Books. And the first thing they did is said, well, if you want to write a book for us, what would it be about? And this whole idea came out. I said, oh, I'd like to write a, like a, you know, a Boy Scout handbook of wizardry that would be, you know, would catch the wave of all this interest excited by the Harry Potter phenomena, but this would be the real stuff, the real wisdom of the ages, the stuff that people have gathered and assembled and collected and written about for thousands of years in a form that's accessible to kids and to the next generation. He said, sounds like a great idea. Send us a proposal. So I did and um, <laughs> ended up writing the book. But it wasn't just my own project. First thing I did with this was I realized that there's lots of people whose specialties in these fields are more than a mine. I mean, I'm, I've been around a while and I know some stuff, but I know enough to know that there's other people who know more than I do. Oh, then, so no, I, that's I the logic of a smart man. People yeah. who are the teachers and the leaders and the authors in the worldwide magical community that I respect and have known for years. And, and I presented them this, this idea. I said, how about that we all get together and pool our knowledge and our and our information and and we create a, a a thing here a grimoire a cookbook a a your basic you know what everything you need to know book that we can present for the 21st century kids and the next generation and everybody liked that idea so as i wrote this i kind of round robin it through the the entire circle of the gray council which is about oh, the time i guess a couple dozen members and so everybody had their input. People fed in stuff, and they said, oh, you should have this, or they corrected things I'd made a mistake on. And So it was a collective effort, but the result of this is that here it is. Here is this basic everything you need to know about wizardry and magic, you know, um, and it's accessible to kids, but it's also proven to be something that adults have really found uh, very meaningful as well because we... We get letters from people saying, oh, I love your book. This is really great, just what I've been looking for all my life. And I had to buy extra copies for my grandchildren so they won't take mine. You know? <laughs> so the idea of appealing to all generations is something that I'm very happy with, too. And according to our publisher, it's their number one best-selling book. So altogether, it's been quite a good project. Tell me, what are some of the things that we could learn from uh, reading your book? I, I'm sorry, I didn't quite get that. What could we learn if we were to read your book? 
Oh my, there's a lot. Uh, there's uh, well, you learn all about uh, healing arts and herbalism and word cunning and stuff. You learn things about alchemy, cosmology, mm-hmm. the lore of the stars and the heavens, the stories and myths and legends. You learn about conjury, how to do some of the you know amazing illusions and special effects that stage magicians do. Um, you'd learn. Um, uh, magical practices of various kinds, like you know, voodoo arts and things like this, of practical magics and things. You'd learn psychic development, meditation, astral projection, dream work, uh, a lot of psychic stuff. Um, you'd learn the history and the traditions and um, and magical teachings and wisdom. You'd learn ethics um, from many different cultures and traditions. It's um, it's a lot of stuff. It's quite a project. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like it would Many be. Many people say it's just overwhelming almost, but it's not meant to be read in one sitting. You know, sounds like a great Christmas gift for someone who's uh, showing an interest in wizardry, or is a Harry Potter fan, or who is a fan of magic. Well, that's what I thought. I figured anybody who liked the Harry Potter uh, books would mm-hmm. love this. This would be a book that they could have in the Harry Potter library. You know, that they would that that Albus Dumbledore would give to Harry and say, "Here, you know, here's the book you need to have. Read this." You know, how long did it take you to read your book? Write the book? Yes. About two years. Wow. Yep, put about two years into it. And it's a book for all ages. It is. It is. All ages and all all peoples. I just got uh, our first uh, foreign language translation. It was in Romanian. Apparently it's quite popular in Transylvania. I wonder, immensely I, amusing. I wonder why. I wonder why, yes. Well, as it turns out, it's even more interesting that I found out a little more about that, and it's that the Romani... The gypsies have picked up on this, and they're the ones who are behind getting the first print in their most common language. Well, I guess it was about time they learned how to do it right. Yeah. <laughs> well, they said the thing is, apparently, a lot of their own materials were lost in the during the Holocaust period, and they've been looking for stuff that they can use to pass on the older teachings to the younger generation, and they just happen to really like this one a lot. Isn't and, that oh, wonderful? That's really cool. That, that truly is. You and I have to take a commercial break, Oberon. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Oberon Zell Ravenheart is our special guest. His website is www.grayschool.com. And when we come back, we're going to talk to him about the school he founded, all about wizardry. 1-877-528-8255 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is The Exxon. A place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. We come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern live. Then the show is repeated in its entirety from 2 a.m. until 6 p.m. I'm sorry, 6 a.m. More about wizardry and magic when we come back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues right here live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. Once again, I'd like to welcome uh, three new stations who have just joined the Exxon Broadcast family. The Bear 90.1 CHMZ in Tolfino, British Columbia. The Edge 99.5 CIMM-FM in Usulet, British Columbia. And Spuds Valley Radio 98.9 CFPV-FM in Pemberton, British Columbia. The Exxon Radio's uh, family is growing thanks to you, the Exxon Nation. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. All his radio. 
to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Seems like yesterday, but it was long ago. She was a queen of my night There in the darkness with the radio Playing low end And the secrets that we share Mountains that we move Caught like a wildfire out of control Till there was nothing left to burn And nothing left to prove Oberon Zell Ravenheart is our special guest. His website is www.grayschool.com. And um, I was wondering if you could tell us about your school of wizardry. Absolutely oh. the coolest thing I've ever been involved in, so I'm very happy about it. It's, um, <clears throat> well, it's as much as possible using the virtual universe of the Internet to be kind of a of an analog in many ways in its general structure to the Hogwarts kind of a school, which is based on the British um, public school system, as they have it over there, uh, what we would call private school. But And that's based on the old university-type structure and stuff with, you know, professors and all that stuff. And the Gray School was an outgrowth of the grimoire for the Apprentice Wizard. We sort of took that to the next level by creating a complete school environment. It took about mm, six months to get everything set up in place. A lot of work went into it. And we opened the official virtual doors on um, August 1st of 2004. And the school has presently got 950 students and over 30 teachers in well over 200 classes. I, I lost count after the 200 point. And we have 13, um, I'm sorry, we have 16 departments of different types of studies, and seven year levels. So it's, um, it was designed to correspond in, in age levels mm-hmm. to junior high through high school, but like with the book, um, many more adults have been brought into it. So presently our student population is about three-quarters adults and about one-quarter teens. And the adults range clear up into their 70s. It, it Again, it appeals to people of all ages because there's just really neat stuff that we have there, amazing stuff. How does your online school compare with other online schools? Well, there's several ways. Um, there are a number of schools teaching magical subjects. Almost all of these are, are basically witchcraft, and that's kind of problematic in a sense because witchcraft, in its current incarnation at least, is a religion. And I'm not interested in trying to be having a religious school. The school of wizardry is not religious, obviously. Wizard is, wizardry is completely non-denominational. Wizards have been from every culture and every religion, and I wanted to emphasize that. So we didn't want to be connected with the witchcraft. We don't even teach witchcraft in the school. It's all wizardry. Um, so there's that. 
most of these schools also that are out there don't online have um, admit kids under 18. So that's another factor is that we uh, specifically orient towards youth. But we also have a very family-friendly thing. Many of our students consist of whole families, the parents and the kids, both in the school working together, which is really great. It sort of brings the whole family together again around learning this stuff. A lot of what we teach is things that used to be found in a classical education, such as ancient languages, for example. We've got a fully developed uh, Latin course already in place, and we're setting up uh, Greek and Hebrew, and we're looking to ancient Egyptian um, hieroglyphs and stuff to be added to the program. So there's a lot of neat stuff there, you know, and all the kind of things that are in the grimoire, but expanded into many, many more different areas. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. It has a social environment as strong as the academic. There's houses, um, like in the Hogwarts kind of vision. There's four elemental houses for youths, and there's four elemental lodges for adults, so that there are separate social groups for the kids and the grown-ups. And um, for the adults only, there's a campus tavern called the, Wiz the Wizard's Keep that is, is a kind of a neat virtual tavern scene, like you'd expect to find in some old fantasy movie and um, there's clubs different department clubs there's a school newspaper that's actually a full-fledged really good online magazine it's completely student-run there are summer camps campouts where students and teachers get together and camp out together and sit around the campfire and tell stories and have classes and lessons now we're talking we're, we're talking about in a, in a virtual world here no 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 the summer camps are real in the physical world yeah, we actually get together this. Uh, the first year, last year, we had just one. This year, we had four in different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And I, I was able to attend the one in Northern California, which is close to where I am. It was great. It was like, you know, almost a week of, of wonderful stuff. We had, you know, making things and learning stuff and, and telling stories around the campfire at night and doing, learning all kinds of things. Some nature walks was great. All right, somebody who goes to gray school, how could they apply what they learn online to everyday living? Well, there's so many facets where these things apply. For example, uh, people who take classes in, in major in the Department of Healing, for example, would be learning you, you know, the kind of healing arts that would be very valuable to become a professional healer of some sort. Um, herbalism uh, is one of the major courses of the whole department, in fact, devoted to it. So there's lots of ways that herbalism and herbal lore can be utilized. Um, people who take uh, who major in beast mastery, which is the sort of thing you would see in someone say like horse whispers and dog whispers, might go into any number of animal type things. They might become a vet. They might become a zookeeper. They they might um, uh, just work with animals in all sorts of ways. Uh, many people who couldn't go into this thing end up being teachers. Um, many of our teachers are actually professors in, in their, their mundane lives as well, uh, you know, have day jobs as Ph.D. university professors and, and teaching the grade school, too. Um, many are authors, many of the teachers are, and so that's another field. Um, Is the there's whole, our department of um, uh, performance magics, uh, not only encompass the stage magic conjury stuff, but also um, a lot of the other uh, performance arts, music and storytelling and writing and literature and stuff. So uh, some of our students have um, been using their what they're learning to write fantasy novels and get into that whole field. Tell me, uh, the are, is your... The department might set up people to become budding astronomers in mm -hmm. their life. This is, 
it's kind of the concept is a lot like what we used to call a classical education in that sense, you know. Now, yeah. is your school recognized by any academic uh, association, and are your courses accredited? Well, we're moving through the line with that. The first thing we did was incorporate as a nonprofit educational institution. We just received our 501c3 exemption from the IRS as an educational um, institution, and we'll be applying for accreditation now that we have all these things in place. We certainly have the qualifications. We feel we have you know, solid classes, we have incredible faculty, mm-hmm. and we just continue to move on through the process of, going through, of getting everything we can. Why do it you really is a remarkable educational environment, and it's fun. See, the whole thing is there was a time when education was regarded as a mystique. You know, there was a whole thing about being able to go and learn the stuff, you know, that ordinary people didn't know. And that got lost in the whole drive for universal public education, which is a laudable goal. I, I thoroughly applaud it. Everybody should have a basic education. But somewhere when it became common, it lost that mystique. And we're trying to restore the mystique as, it's, as you see it in the Harry Potter stories where the kids are all excited about going to Hogwarts, wow, you know, and learning all this cool stuff. Well, that's the way it is with the gray school. It's, it's a neat thing to do and fun to do. Now, you, you, you were talking earlier about your school being um, online, and there seems to be a lot of uh, virtual, um, virtual learning on it because it is, is based, it's a, right now I believe it's a computer-based uh, and internet-driven uh, school. Right. Um, how do your students break away from their fantasy role to reality? Well, the actual exercises and things that people are expected to do take them out into the world. If they're taking classes, for example, in the Department of Work, work Cutting which, or Herbalism, uh, gardening would be one of those classes. So they would be expected to go out and plant a real garden and take pictures of it and submit it as part of their class assignments. We have um, annual bird-watching challenges that gets um, the students from the different houses out in the wintertime to go and learn about different birds and stuff, you know, and report back on them. Um, one of our classes involves building a miniature Stonehenge in your backyard with big rocks, you know. And so there's our nature hike, hikes and walks are part of the Department of Nature Studies and, and learning to get out there into the woods. So we actually encourage the kids to get away from the computer just as much as they're on it. Mm-hmm fully integrated into the universe kind of thing. There's there's all there's projects in every department that involve getting out there, you know. In the departments of cosmology, they've got to go out there and look at the stars and watch meteor showers, that kind of stuff. What are your plans for Gray School? Well, if the thing that we all really hope and dream is that someday we'll be able to have a physical campus as well, of course. So that's certainly part of the vision. We are wrapping up full majors in all of of the 16 departments, we're having to do this a lot quicker than we anticipated because we have a few students who have been moving through the seven levels a lot faster and are already at the sixth, and <laughs> so we really have to move on this. The next level after the apprentice program, which is what we have now, the junior high through high school level, is of course a college level, and that will be a journeyman level studies. Graduates from the apprentice program that we presently have in place will get a certificate of journeyman wizard like your high school diploma. But the next level will be a four-year college level, and we'll be having much more advanced stuff there. It will obviously be adults only, and we'll be able to address more adult matters, as you would in a college program. In a four-year program of that, you'll graduate with a certificate of mastery, a master's certificate, really. 
And after that, we envision a postgraduate program that would take one up to um, an adept, which is the equivalent of a PhD, which means literally a doctor of philosophy degree, and philosophy is love of wisdom, and that brings us right full circle. So these are some of our long-range plans. There's more books planned. We already have uh, several Gray School textbooks come out that are um, that are also published by our publisher, New Page Books. In addition to the Grimoire, there's the Companion, which I wrote, is a with um, much material from teachers in the school. And there's a book on dragon lore and gargoyles and composing magic, on creating magical poetry and, and music. And there's one on signs and symbols that's coming out shortly. And uh, and right now I just finished up the work on the on a wizard's bestiary, which is this big, huge, vast compendium of magical beasties of all times and places in the world, and that will be out in December, in time for Christmas. So there's a lot going on. We've got lots of projects, and there's, of course, more um, more summer camps and conclaves around the world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of now, how much do these courses run? Well, that's the, that's the ludicrous part of it, actually. We didn't want to keep anybody out, and most of us are doing this because this is what we love to do. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, the first year level for youth is $20. That gives them uh, 24 credits, which is about 12 classes, about what you would learn in a year in high school. The uh, For adults, uh, the first year level is $35. It goes up each additional year level. It goes up $2 a year level for the kids, and it goes up $5 a year level for adults. And that's all. You know, we don't charge extra for classes. We don't charge extra for credits. That's it. You pay your thirty-five dollars, and and you got a year's worth of amazing material to work with. Now, uh, if somebody's late for school, do they have to bring a note from mom? <laughs> well, you know, there's no way to be late because it's online, and we're everywhere all the time. People just uh, to get, whenever they they want to, wherever they are in the world, you know, they can just uh, log on and and pick up the lessons right where they are. So, what are you working on right? What are you working on right now? Well. I've just finished up this bestiary that mm-hmm. I was telling you about, and I'm getting ready to, um, well, first thing I'm doing is getting caught up in a lot of stuff that I have not done for uh-huh. the last two years that I've been working on this bestiary. It's a huge project. <clears throat> but as soon as I can get through that, my next book project is an autobiography I've been working on. I have I have somebody who's been doing interviews with me and my wife and, and everybody we've known in our life clear back to our parents brothers and sisters and friends to compile a kind of a narrative biography of the amazing adventures in the life that we've had together which is really quite quite amazing what's your what's that. your what's your favorite adventure that you've been on well my goodness i've been on so many but i think the one that was the most fun was probably the you know, the, the mermaid expedition the mermaid expedition to new guinea that was great it was a diving expedition we went in 1985 and um went searching for mermaids in the in the coral sea. Did you find any? Well, yeah, we did. Um, basically, the, the adventure was inspired by a, a number of reports which hit the media in 84 um, <coughs> from, um, from scientists who were studying the peoples of a particular island in the New Guinea chain called New Ireland, and they had um, reported these creatures that the natives talked to them, told them about that lived in the water and would come into the bays and stuff and frolic that they said um, were like the mermaids on the chicken of the sea mermaid can. In fact, they said that's what they thought was in the can. 
Because you know you have tomatoes on the can, you got mm-hmm. tomatoes in the can, right? Yeah. You got a picture of mermaid on the can, you got you must have mermaid meat inside it. That's what they figured. So they said, well, there they are. And the um, the, the researchers could see that there was definitely something out there mm-hmm. that was really nothing they'd ever heard of before, especially when they lifted this beautiful tail in the air and wafted it and then dove and stuff. And sometimes they would sit up in the water and you could sort of see that they, you know, there was a lot going on out there. Oberon, you and I have to take our commercial break. We'll be back on the other side of this break. And uh, still to come on tonight's show, Dr. Val Webb. We're going to be talking, are ancient religions really necessary in today's society? My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. For more information about Oberon's Gray School, www.grayschool.com. Don't go away. We'll be back. Zell Ravenheart is our special guest. His website is www.grayschool.com. Now, before we go into the commercial break, we were talking about uh, the uh, mermaids that you went swimming with. And what were they actually? Were they a, a type of fish? Were they a type of otter? What were they? Well, they turned out to be actually the Indo-Pacific dugong, which is pretty much what most people would have expected, I guess. Um, but the behavior they were exhibiting was something that was not known among those creatures, so it had us fooled. But it was still a fascinating adventure. You know, we uh, took a whole bunch of scuba diving lessons and gear and rented a dive boat and, you know, went diving in ancient wrecks and diving with these amazing creatures. And um, it was it was a great adventure. And we solved the mystery when we came back and made our report to the International Society of Cryptozoology and made side trips to Australia and Hawaii. And altogether, it was just one of those great, Adventures, you know, we explored caves with fruit bats in them, and you know, uh, chased giant lizards on beaches, and, and all together, you know, it was great. So, where is your next quest off to? Well, you know, um, right now, I think I'm going to just be focused on on working on these books and, and things for a while. But there's places in the world I haven't been yet that I'd love to. There's some. Um, reports of uh, supposedly a dinosaur in the jungles of Africa that would be interesting to check out, you know. But hey, I'm right here in Northern California. We got Bigfoot up there somewhere, so maybe I'll go t- take a week off sometime and just go camp out in the woods and see what happens, you know. Oberon, There's always adventures to be discovered. There, you know? there certainly are. Let our listeners know how they can find out more about Gray School and how they can find out more about you and your books. Sure. Well, that, the website for the Gray School is www.grayschool.com. That's G-R-E-Y. We spell gray with an E like the English do. And, of course, you can pick up the books. The Grimoire for the Apprentice Wizard is the, is the first one, and it's got a companion as well, Companion for the Apprentice Wizard. Those you can 
you can get in bookstores or you can get them online or you could go to our business website here which um, also has my statues and jewelry and stuff which is mythicimages.com and uh, that's kind of a fun place you might want to check out and uh, it's not hard to find this stuff at all really just uh just you know, look. Web search if you can't figure out anything else to do. It. Look under wizardry <laughs> and see what you get. Oh, really, that's it. The Gray School and the Grimoire will take you, open the door to anything you want to know. Super. Oh, Baron, thanks very much for joining us tonight. And um, keep the magic flowing. Thank you, Rob. And all good blessings to you, too. Good, good night, sir. For more information on the Gray School, www.greyschool. It's that simple. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, I'll be joined by Dr. Val Webb. And we're going to be talking about our ancient religions relevant today. Now, he's a theologian who uh, debates the application of ancient religious doctrines to modern life. If you'd like to give us a call and uh, ask the uh, good doctor any questions, one 877 Now, that's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 877 And to find out about your future today, call our good friends at Premier Psychics. Their toll-free number is one 803 6593 That's one 803 6593 Or visit Premier Psychics online at www.premierpsychics.com. Dr. Val Webb is up next as the Exxon continues.